a saint is one in whom it is said, Christ lives again. A saint is one in whom it is said that Christ lives again. I noticed the little boy every Sunday would come up to me and stare. If I was in the sanctuary or in Wilson Hall, I would look down and there he was, staring at me. Coming through the line after service, his parents would be speaking with me and he was down there at their legs looking up, saying nothing. It was some time before I learned why. One Sunday, the boy's mom told me that on the way uh, home in the car, they asked him about the day of worship. What did you like most about worship today? And he said, Pastor Chris. Well, that's really nice, she said. Did you like his sermon? No, I don't, I don't remember it. Oh, well, what about Pastor Chris made you like worship? He gets to wear a robe. Do you think I will ever be able to wear a robe? And I told her we should get him signed up right away to be an acolyte or a children's choir member before the allure passes. It reminds me of one of the times one of our preschoolers kept insisting that he talked with God at church. They were marveling at his precocious spirituality until they realized that he was talking about me. He thought I was God. And why? Because of the robe. They were wondering how to, how to help him see that I wasn't God. And I said, oh, no, you don't need to move on too quickly, you know. From that, don't want to stunt that burgeoning spirituality. Oh, so that's what Jesus was talking about, huh? They like to walk around in long robes, he said. They demand respect in the marketplace. They want the best seats in church, you know, the ones in the very back. They prefer places of honor at the banquet halls. They make a big spectacle of praying long prayers and dropping fistfuls of cash into the offering plate. Beware of them, Jesus says, for they have received the greater condemnation. Who? Me? It's a fitting story on this All Saints Sunday that we contemplate what exactly it is that makes someone a saint. The story itself seems to make it clear. The saint is the widow, the one who put in everything she had. The, the sinners, the ones who are receiving the greater condemnation, well, they are the scribes, the long-robed ones who clamor for status and devour widows' houses, you know, just like that one that just put in all she had to live on. That's what puts you in the sinner's camp. So there you have it, church. Be the widow. Don't be the scribe. Amen, right? But you know, don't you, that whenever we read the Bible in this way, to identify heroes and villains, to demarcate the saints and the sinners, trouble is lurking. It's never quite as simple as that. We 
are never quite as simple as that. Copper coins don't make you a saint any more than long robes put you in the sinner's camp. And looking at the text more closely, the story becomes less about who is saint and who is sinner than it does about God's call upon all of us and God's mission to make all things new. It's not a coincidence that right after Jesus speaks about the scribes devouring widows' houses, that we see a widow drop two copper coins in the temple treasury with Jesus saying to his disciples that she has given all she had to live on. And what is it to which she has given all she had to live on? The roof over her head, the food on her table, her house, the temple. And who oversees the temple? The scribes, among others, who are taking the money that she gives and devouring her house and using it to support a corrupt system. She is not a heroic figure, you could say. She is a tragic figure. Indeed, both the rich people who give out of their abundance and the poor widow who gives her last two cents, they're both giving to prop up a religious system that has lost sight of the mission of God to bring peace and justice to earth and instead uses its resources to hold on to power, to wear long robes and pray long prayers, to get treated with honor in the marketplace and be given all the best seats at worship. The temple leaders are, as it were, playing religion, performing religion, And Jesus stands in a long line of prophets like Amos who declares they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Therefore, I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Take away from me the noise of your songs, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jesus is echoed in the words of James who says, religion that is pure and undefiled is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. So much of Jesus' ministry is set against, in that prophetic mode, set against the temple authorities, not because the temple is bad, not because long robes and long prayers are evil, not because it's wrong to give, but because the purpose of the temple, the purpose of the faith has been obscured, which is to give witness, right? To God's presence and mission in the world, or as the reformers would say centuries later, to glorify God and enjoy God forever. I get an email every now and then from a fellow minister who signs off with his name and then a long string of letters. B-A-M-A-R-M-D-I-V-D-M-N. I remember the Sunday after he got his D-M-N, Doctor of Ministry, he had all the church letterhead changed ahead of time to reflect his new and exalted status. He had all the bulletin stock changed to do the same. He had a, a new robe with uh, doctoral bars on it that he had pre-ordered for himself. 
he began insisting that everyone call him doctor. I remember my daughter, Chandler Bell, asking me once after meeting him, and I introduced him as Dr. So-and-so, as he preferred. She asked me, thank God, out of his presence, is he like a real doctor that can do something for you or just a church doctor? (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes, as they say. And at the time, I laughed along with her. But now that I have my own robe with my own bars... I'm highly offended by what she said. (laughs) But I wonder if Chandler had not hit on something there inadvertently. Why should not those who wear the title Doctor of the Church, why should not those who wear the title Saints of God, why should not those who are baptized in these waters, why should not the church be known as those who are able to help those who are able to do something for you, for this world. On All Saints Day, we in the Reformed tradition, we do not elevate saints because we have verified a miracle they performed or because they've achieved some super-Christian status. No, on this day, we remember people who, who knitted a prayer shawl for someone hurting in the hospital. We remember a youth worker who faithfully shows up every Sunday night to be there for teens as they explore their faith. We remember a member who visited shut-ins every month, month after month, bearing something of the company of Christ. We remember a young man whose love of God's creation was a lesson in environmental stewardship We remember a musician who brought us to tears with Mary, did you know? We remember a choir member who never missed a rehearsal and whose joy was palpable in that loft week after week. We remember people who marched for justice. We remember people who went on mission trips. We remember people who stayed at Room in the Inn. We remember those who taught our children something of what it means to be faithful who were covenant partners for confirmation students. We remember those who worked in the kitchen, who served those who needed friendship in Stephen ministry, whose gifts and courage and vision built this place three different times here in Franklin. Time will not permit me to list them all, but let it be known that these saints were known not for their long robes or their fancy titles, They were known not for their perfection or their sinlessness or their status. Most of them might never be known at all, much beyond their families and this church family. But let it be known that God knows them. God claims them in baptism. God is the one who calls them saints. And you and I, we are saints as well. Nothing we do in the name of Christ is ever wasted. No act done in response to God's grace is inconsequential. No expression of worship, study, or service is ever forgotten in the mind and heart of God. We are the ones of whom it is said that Christ lives again.
to the glory of God. Amen.